So the first few sessions of this course focus on first language acquisition. And I know the course is focused on subtitled second language acquisition. There's a lot we can learn from acquiring a native language that can apply for instruction. And so, yes, these first few sessions are more theoretical than uh, some of you are used to from my um, previous courses, but once you can really understand the process, you can start to think about ways to implement some of the um, common language learning methods into your course or into your instruction. So if you look at um, the toddler and the um, pre-production phases of first language acquisition, you'll think about children you've encountered during these stages. You're very encouraging. You reward them with attention. You try to see if they know more or less. It's not just a ball. Is it big or little? Things like that. You want to create a similar environment for your learners. Again, encouragement. Giving them attention during interactions and trying to see if you can help them express a little bit more than what they express on their own. When you learn about universal grammar in the innatist theory of first language acquisition, you learn that there are limitations to this theory. There are some things that just have to be taught. For instance, um, my son is three, so the fact that I'm teaching these courses as he's acquiring a first language is very interesting. So if we look at something close to behaviorism, um, he says, when he's upset, he says, I'm very mad. Now, this is an opportunity for practice, and it's a natural progression into, oh, you're very mad? Can you say very? These, um, and then you'll look for this type of using very throughout your conversation. So, for instance, that's very hot. It's another point in time, and you can have, and I would have him, again, restate what I said. Is that very hot? Yes, it's very hot, and practice the, the V sound. This is a form of skill and drill. It's very much a behaviorist method, because once he pronounces the V, oh, great job when he needs to, um, when he doesn't, okay, let's try it again. So yes, it follows on behaviorism, but yet I'm not making him sit there and practice a V for a half hour. So that's where this um, method of interaction can come in. So a lot of second language acquisition is the environment you set up. So for children, if you're speaking a lot to them, now we're talking um, pre-K and younger, 
if they're exposed to language, if they listen to language, if you give them opportunities um, to speak, they're more likely to speak. And this goes into, is your instruction just you sit there and absorb information? Or are we doing things like interacting, especially with each other? And this is why we're going to create stations, otherwise known as um, centers. Usually centers is a, for younger children, stations is much more um, used in middle and upper grades. Um, but again, think of environment. And I always like to use the example of my nephews who aren't exactly the best behaved. Yet, when the parents, when my uh, sister and brother-in-law go out of town and my mother-in-law is in charge, she says, mommy and daddy are away, so now we're going to have rules. And the truth is, is that when she makes that statement, they use other words you never heard them use before, like please and thank you. Oh, of course I'm going to share my toys. So when you set up this environment, it's not that you don't utilize some of these, you know, we don't just throw away behaviorism or we don't just throw away the innateism. What we do is really try to find engaging ways to utilize the methods depending upon the circumstances. You're going to come to learn at one point that prepositions of um, over by are not innate. Children learn them through context and interaction. For many English language learners, especially um, over the age of 12, and we'll get into that critical period, you, they just have to be memorized. It's literally grammar sheets and interaction, but there are fun ways to engage with these um, prepositions and it doesn't have to be just sitting in repetition. So there's our instruction for creating the right environment relies heavily upon the way we see children grasp first language. I stated a bunch of nuances, but still the activities can keep them engaged and keep them wanting to learn more. And that's the most important aspect. So anytime you, enter, you go over something that deals with first language acquisition, think about how this would apply in your preferred grade level. And in these ELL courses, we can go from pre-K all the way through high school. So if you're a high school history teacher, how could you use this as, an, as a background to a method you could use to get your students um, using the English language and engaging more? Um, that's the purpose. And if you saw my video under syllabus and schedule, you'll see that I really try to make sure that at least in every session you engage with a technique or a technology that you can use in your own classroom. So if you have any questions, you can email me. 
If you have any questions, post them on the discussion board, and if I don't see them, I'll respond to them when I give you discussion board feedback. And um, make sure you selected your chapters for assignment two, your chapter presentation. And, and I have a few sessions open if you are capable of jumping ahead. So um, I'm always available. And um, if you need any assistance, just let me know. Thank you.